0: Section 13 of Selected Interviews with Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Introduction and interviewer's question, read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ingersoll's comments, read by J. Allen Brown, Rockwall, Texas. Interviewed title, Ingersoll on McGlynn. Printed in the Brooklyn Citizen, April 1886. The attitude of the Roman Catholic Church in Dr. McGlynn's case is consistent with the history and constitution of the Catholic Church, perfectly consistent with its ends, its objects, and its means, and just as perfectly inconsistent with intellectual liberty and the real civilization of the human race. When a man becomes a Catholic priest, he has been convinced that he ought not to think for himself upon religious questions. HE HAS BECOME CONVINCED THAT THE CHURCH IS THE ONLY TEACHER, THAT HE HAS A RIGHT TO THINK ONLY TO ENFORCE ITS TEACHINGS. FROM THAT MOMENT, HE IS A MORAL MACHINE. THE CHIEF ENGINEER RESIDES AT ROME, AND HE GIVES HIS ORDERS THROUGH CERTAIN ASSISTANT ENGINEERS UNTIL THE ONE IS REACHED WHO TURNS THE CRANK, AND THE MACHINE HAS NOTHING TO DO ONE WAY OR THE OTHER. THE MACHINE IS PAID FOR GIVING UP HIS LIBERTY, by having machines under him who have also given up theirs. While somebody else turns his crank, he has the pleasure of turning a crank belonging to somebody below him. Of course, the Catholic Church is supposed to be the only perfect institution on earth. All others are not only imperfect, but unnecessary. All others have been made either by man, or by the devil, or by a partnership and consequently cannot be depended upon for the civilization of man. The Catholic Church gets its power directly from God, and is the only institution now in the world founded by God. There was never any other, so far as I know, except polygamy and slavery and a crude kind of monarchy, and they have been for the most part abolished. The Catholic Church must be true to itself, it must claim everything and get what it can it alone is infallible it alone has all the wisdom of this world it alone has the right to exist all other interests are secondary to be a catholic is of the first importance human liberty is nothing wealth position food clothing reputation happiness all these are less than worthless compared with what the Catholic Church promises to the man who will throw all these away. A priest must preach what his bishop tells him. A bishop must preach what his archbishop tells him. The pope must preach what he says God tells him. Dr. McGlynn cannot make a compromise with the Catholic Church. It never compromises when it is in the majority. I do not mean by this that the Catholic Church is worse than any other. All are alike in this regard, every sect, no matter how insignificant, every Church, no matter how powerful, asks precisely the same thing from every member, that is to say, a surrender of intellectual freedom. The Catholic Church wants the same as the Baptist, the Presbyterian, and the Methodist. It wants the whole earth. It is ambitious to be the one supreme power. It hopes to see the world upon its knees, with all its tongues thrust out for wafers. It has the arrogance of humility and the ferocity of universal forgiveness. In this respect, it resembles every other sect. Every religion is a system of slavery. Of course, the religionists say that they do not believe in persecution. That they do not believe in burning and hanging and whipping or loading with chains a man simply because he is an infidel. They are willing to leave all this with God, knowing that a being of infinite goodness will inflict all these horrors and tortures upon an honest man who differs with the church. In case Dr. McGlynn is deprived of his priestly functions, it is hard to say what effect it will have upon his church and the Labour Party in the country so long as a man believes that a church has eternal joy in store for him so long as he believes that a church holds within its hands the keys of heaven and hell it will be hard to make him trade off the hope of everlasting happiness for a few good clothes and a little good food and higher wages here he finally thinks that after all he had better work for less and go a little hungry, and be an angel forever. I hope, however, that a good many people who have been supporting the Catholic Church by giving tithes of the wages of weariness will see, and clearly see, that Catholicism is not their friend, that the Church cannot and will not support them, that on the contrary they must support the Church. I hope they will see that all the prayers have to be paid for, although not one has ever been answered i hope they will perceive that the church is on the side of wealth and power that the mitre is the friend of the crown that the altar is the sworn brother of the throne i hope that they will finally know that the church cares infinitely more for the money of the millionaire than the souls of the poor of course there are thousands of individual exceptions i am speaking of the church as an institution as a corporation and when i say the church i include all churches it is said of corporations in general that they have no soul and it may truthfully be said of the church that it has less than any other it lives on alms it gives nothing for what it gets it has no sympathy beggars never weep over the misfortunes of other beggars nothing could give me more pleasure than to see the catholic church on the side of human freedom nothing more pleasure than to see the catholics of the world those who work and weep and toil sensible enough to know that all the money paid for superstition is worse than lost i wish they could see that the counting of beads and the saying of prayers and celebrating of masses and all the kneelings and censer-swingings and fastings and bell-ringing amount to less than nothing, that all these things tend only to the degradation of mankind. It is hard, I know, to find an antidote for a poison that was mingled with mother's milk. The laboring masses, so far as the Catholics are concerned, are filled with awe and wonder and fear about the Church this fear began to grow while they were being rocked in their cradles and they still imagine that the church has some mysterious power that it is in direct communication with some infinite personality that could if it desired strike them dead or damn their souls forever. persons who have no such belief who care nothing for popes or priests or churches or heavens or hells or devils or gods have very little idea of the power of fear the old dogmas filled the brain with strange monsters the soul of the orthodox christian gropes and wanders and crawls in a kind of dungeon where the strained eyes see fearful shapes and the frightened flesh shrinks from the touch of serpents the good part of christianity that is to say kindness morality will never go down the cruel part ought to go down and by the cruel part i mean the doctrine of eternal punishment of allowing the good to suffer for the bad allowing innocence to pay the debt of guilt so the foolish part of christianity that is to say the miraculous will go down the absurd part must perish but there will be no war about it as there was in france nobody believes enough in the foolish part of christianity now to fight for it nobody believes with intensity enough in miracles to shoulder a musket there is probably not a christian in new york willing to fight for any story no matter if the story is so old that it is covered with moss no mentally brave and intelligent man believes in miracles and no intelligent man cares whether there was a miracle or not FOR THE REASON THAT EVERY INTELLIGENT MAN KNOWS THAT THE MIRACULOUS HAS NO POSSIBLE CONNECTION WITH THE MORAL. THOU SHALT NOT STEAL IS JUST AS GOOD A COMMANDMENT IF IT SHOULD TURN OUT THAT THE FLOOD WAS A DROUGHT. THOU SHALT NOT MURDER IS A GOOD AND JUST AND RIGHTEOUS LAW, AND WHETHER ANY PARTICULAR MIRACLE WAS EVER PERFORMED OR NOT HAS NOTHING TO DO WITH THE CASE. THERE IS NO POSSIBLE RELATION BETWEEN THESE THINGS i am on the side not only of the physically oppressed but of the mentally oppressed i hate those who put lashes on the body and i despise those who put the soul in chains in other words i am in favour of liberty i do not wish that any man should be the slave of his fellow-men or that the human race should be the slaves of any god real or imaginary man has the right to think for himself to work for himself to take care of himself, to get bread for himself, to get a home for himself. He has a right to his own opinion about God and heaven and hell, the right to learn any art or mystery or trade, the right to work for whom he will, for what he will, and when he will. The world belongs to the human race. There is to be no war in this country on religious opinions except a war of words, a conflict of thoughts, of facts, and in that conflict the hosts of superstition will go down. They may not be defeated today, or tomorrow, or next year, or during this century, but they are growing weaker day by day. This priest, McGlynn, has the courage to stand up against the propaganda. What would have been his fate a few years ago, what would have happened to him in Spain, in Portugal, in Italy, in any other country that was Catholic, only a few years ago. Yet he stands here in New York. He refuses to obey God's vice regent. He freely gives his mind to an archbishop. He holds the Holy Inquisition in contempt. He has done a great thing. He is undoubtedly an honest man. He should never have been a Catholic. He has no business in that church. He has ideas of his own, theories, and seems to be governed by principles. The Catholic Church is not his place. If he remains, he must submit, he must kneel in the humility of abjectness. He must receive on the back of his independence the lashes of the church. If he remains, he must ask the forgiveness of slaves for having been a man. If he refuses to submit, the Church will not have him. He will be driven to take his choice, to remain a member, humiliated, shunned, or go out into the great free world, a citizen of the Republic, with the rights, responsibilities, and duties of an American citizen. I believe that Dr. McGlynn is an honest man, and that he really believes in the land theories of Mr. George. I have no confidence in his theories, but I have confidence that he is actuated by the best and noblest motives. Are you to go on the lecture platform again? I expect to after a while. I am now waiting for the church to catch up. I got so far ahead that I began almost to sympathize with the clergy. They looked so helpless and talked in such a weak, wandering, and wobbling kind of way that i felt as though i had been cruel from the papers i see that they are busy trying to find out who the wife of cain was i see that the reverend dr robinson of new york is now wrestling with that problem he begins to be in doubt whether adam was the first man whether eve was the first woman suspects that there were other races and that cain did not marry his sister but somebody else's sister and that the somebody else was not cain's brother one can hardly overestimate the importance of these questions they have such a direct bearing on the progress of the world if it should turn out that adam was the first man or that he was not the first man something might happen i am not prepared to say what but it might it is a curious kind of spectacle to see a few hundred people paying a few thousand dollars a year for the purpose of hearing these great problems discussed was adam the first man who was cain's wife has anyone seen a map of the land of nod where are the four rivers that ran murmuring through the groves of paradise who was the snake how did he walk what language did he speak this turns a church into a kind of nursery makes a cradle of each pew and gives to each member a rattle with which he can amuse what he calls his mind the great theologians of andover the gentlemen who wear the brass collars furnished by the dead founder have been disputing among themselves as to what is to become of the heathen who fortunately died before meeting any missionary from that institution one can almost afford to be damned hereafter for the sake of avoiding the dogmas of andover here nothing more absurd and childish has ever happened not in the intellectual but in the theological world. There is no need of the freethinkers saying anything at present. The work is being done by the church members themselves. They are beginning to ask questions of the clergy. They are getting tired of the old ideas, tired of the consolations of eternal pain, tired of hearing about hell, tired of hearing the Bible quoted or talked about, tired of the scheme of redemption, tired of the trinity of the plenary inspiration of the barbarous records of a barbarous people tired of the patriarchs and prophets tired of daniel and the goats with three horns and the image with the clay feet and the little stone that rolled down the hill tired of the mud man and the rib woman tired of the flood of noah of the astronomy of joshua the geology of moses tired of kings and chronicles and lamentations tired of the lachrymose jeremiah tired of the monstrous the malicious and the miraculous in short they are beginning to think they have bowed their necks to the yoke of ignorance and fear and impotence and superstition until they are weary they long to be free they are tired of the services tired of the meaningless prayers tired of hearing each other say hear us good lord tired of the texts tired of the sermons tired of the lies about spontaneous combustion as a punishment for blasphemy tired of the bells and they long to hear the doxology of superstition they long to have common sense lift its hands in benediction and dismiss the congregation this ends our interview, Ingersoll on McGlynn.